so forgive me. <laughs> but anyway, I get my order, I get my number, I go sit down, and I'm sitting there with some friends, and then the lady brings me my food, and all it is is two pieces of lettuce and a bun, or no, and a burger, and that's all. And she put it down in front of me, and I looked at him, and then she looked at me, and we looked at each other, and she gave me a coupon for a free burger. She's like, she said, I don't know what you did, but you did something wrong. I'm like, yes, yes I did. Uh, and so this is who I am. I'm terrible at making decisions, but I have decided. And since I am that bad, oh, this is popping because I'm moving, sorry, Ethan. Uh, so I've decided just to do part two of my message from last year. So if you could all get out your notes from my last message. Oh, good, I have written pause for laughter. And I'm gonna take this out of my backpack. And you guys laughed, so thank you for that. Uh, so actually this morning we're gonna be focusing on Galatians 5.22 uh, and the fruits of the spirit. Uh, I have the delightful opportunity to work here. Uh, I work in the office over there most of the time. I don't know if you've seen the, the office at the other end of the building, but it's like Pam's office, two rooms that are never used, and then a big desk that we all sit around. And if I was in a normal office space, Dana and I would be cubicle brothers. So we sit beside each other every day, we share thoughts. So this message is kind of Dana-esque in a way. Dana generally gives you two titles to pick from. I'm gonna give you three this morning. Yes. <laughs> Title number one, the fruits of the spirit, obviously. Galatians 5, 22, 23, that's what we're gonna be speaking about, the fruits of the spirit. Option number two, let me see your fruit. So the song that I played before the message uh, is this great song that Dana taught us. It's kind of become our staff theme song, and it's from a band called PID, Prophets in Disguise, I think their name is, yes. So you should look them up. Anyway, that's a great song, Let Me See Your, see your Fruit. Or option number C or three, I forget what I start with, uh, and where we're gonna be focusing on the forgotten fruit this morning. Uh, and our focus again is on Paul's writing to the Galatians, in Galatians, sorry, in chapter five, verses 22 to 23. So if you have your Bibles, you can kind of scroll through it or find it and we can read it together, it'll be on the screen. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self -control. There is no law against these things. Uh, so why don't we pray together while we distract. Um, dear Father, you are here amongst us now, and that alone is humbling God. But Father, you also know us. You know what brought us here today, God. You know what's making us watch online, Father. Uh, you know where we came from. You know what we're struggling with. And yet you chose to be here with us this morning, God. So we are humbled by that and very thankful that you are willing to be amongst us. <laughs> so Father, for those of us who are struggling with the idea of even being here, or the idea of knowing a God that can actually love us. We pray that you will meet us in this place this morning, God. Uh, we thank you for your love and goodness towards us, and we look forward to uh, just what you speak and share this morning, God. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. So, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, uh, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. There's no law against these things. So I could spend the morning just taking on each of these um, fruits, uh, but I've decided to kind of reflect on one fruit specifically. Uh, but the question is, like, what is fruit of the Spirit? What does this mean by fruit? 
And uh, when we get to the end of uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he kind of gives us a great description of what fruits are, for example. So in Matthew 7, uh, Jesus is saying, beware of the false prophets who come. And in chapter, verse 16, he says, you can identify them by the fruit. That is the way that they act. Can you pick a grape from a thorn bush or figs from a thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into a fire. Yes, just as you can identify the tree by its fruits, you can identify people by their actions. Uh, and then last three week, couple weeks we had, uh, last week we had Dana share with us, and a couple weeks before that we had David Reed, who's here this morning, who also shared a great, uh, David's message was great on identity and where we can find our identity. Um, and this is a plug for our YouTube channel. Get a chance just to rewatch stuff, subscribe to it, it's really cool. Uh, but a quote that they both used uh, was this quote here, and it says, your history may have marked you, but it isn't authorized to label you. The only one who gave you life, only the one who gave you life, has the authority to identify you. And we are identified, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, by the things we do, by our actions. And this list of the Spirit, of the fruits of the spirits that are identified as, they're, they're good things. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and this morning I've kind of picked out gentleness as my forgotten fruit of today. Uh, I feel like the world could use gentleness. As I've been thinking about this over the last, ever since I've been asked to speak and then found something to talk about, I feel like gentleness has been like just everywhere in my world when I'm looking and thinking. Uh, but uh, seeing how today is my designated day to speak, uh, over the next eight years, we'll be going through the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, but today is gentleness. Because uh, I, and when I think about this one, I'm like, I get, I get the other fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, obviously, that's one the world needs. We talk about it all the time. People would say, yes, love needs to be there. Joy, if I, I think my next message next year will be on joy as the forgotten fruit. Because there's a lot, just a lot biblically about how we should be joyful people. We have a reason to have joy. And yet, sometimes it's something that's lacking, Maybe. Uh, so yeah, love, joy, but this morning I'm really going to focus on gentleness. But it's funny because gentleness is kind of not what I want to be known as. I want to be known as strong guy, strong, powerful, I want to be a great leader, I'd like to be known as being smart, I don't want to be known as being gentle, I want to be known as a really deep voice like Richard. When I gave him a hug this morning, I'm like, wow, he is solid. And I'm like, oh, I think I am perceived as being gentle. But uh, this is uh, the things that are valued in the world. Gentleness is not one of them. It's being strong. It's being a great leader. It's being wise. But there's a lot in the scriptures that talk about gentleness and how we as followers need to be gentle. Uh, so I'm going to go through a few uh, scriptures, just, just talk about us as believers and, and the need to be gentle. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, it says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with, patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Colossians 3.12, since God have chosen you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderness, mercy, sorry, tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is peace-loving, gentle at all times, 
and willing to yield to others. And the next one is uh, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And Pastor Phil did a great message on the sent, being sent out into the world. And he uses this great verse as one of those things. And it says, worshipers of Christ, as Lord of your life, even if someone asked you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. So we see the pattern. We get what it means that we should be gentle. We should act gentle in the world, in our homes. When people might not be watching, gentleness is a big thing. Uh, and actually, Dana shared this video with me this past week. There was this artist named Rich Mullins uh, who passed away uh, back in the 90s, I think he passed away. But he wrote some great uh, songs that the church kind of still sings today. Awesome God is one of them. And uh, so he was kind of big in the day in the 80s. And he was traveling over in Germany. He was sitting down, chatting with a friend. He was in Germany. He's like, no one, everyone here speaks German. No one knows who I am. He started, he and his friends started talking about sins that they shared and stuff that they struggled with. And then as they were talking, uh, a friend at the cafe, or someone at the cafe came over and said, excuse me, are you Rich Mullins? And he said he had to stop for a moment, think about what he just said, and think, am I Rich Mullins at this moment? <laughs> and sometimes gentleness, or, or, or that is, is, you know, are we gentle when people aren't watching? Are we gentle at home? Uh, these are one of the things I struggle with. I, as a father, sometimes when I get frustrated, I, gentleness is gone from me when I speak with my kids. Uh, but when I've been thinking about gentleness, I was trying to think of examples of, of how I can just talk about what, how I perceive gentleness. Because I kind of see gentleness as like some big burly thing taking care of something small. And it uh, reminded me of this uh, Horton Hears a Who. I don't know if you guys remember this. <laughs> I saw the movie as a kid. Or no, I saw the movie uh, but essentially, it's the story of this giant elephant who finds a flower. And on this flower live a village of who's. And so once he realizes this, he says, I have to get this flower somewhere to keep it safe. So he's very delicately, gently taking this flower across the uh, forest to try to find a high place to keep it safe. And I see this as a great picture of gentleness. Uh, this other image is my daughter, Evie. She's my youngest child. She's three. She's the least gentle child I have. <laughs> and yet, we were at the uh, butterfly house in New Glasgow, and this is a picture of her holding a butterfly, and she being very gentle with it, which was great, because the one thing I always tell to Evie, whenever she's around people or animals, be gentle, Evie, be gentle. And so this is a great moment I captured, and will keep forever, of her being gentle. Because she has the power to destroy that butterfly, even though she didn't know she did. She had the power to destroy it. And I have a great opposite story of gentleness because we live, and my wife Alicia's gonna love this, we live in the country and we live with mosquitoes. I know one thing, I'm bigger than a mosquito. Mosquito lands on me, I kind of touch it with one finger and I can kill it, I can crush it, I know that. I was sitting at a campfire a couple weeks ago, again, always running through gentleness in my mind because I, was, I knew I was gonna be speaking about this. My, my, Alicia was sitting beside me and a mosquito lands on my head and she took her hand and with all her might smacked me as hard as she could. My glasses flew off. I blacked out. That was a moment of not gentleness. She knew that she could just easily crush it, but she was not gentle. She said sorry, and I think it was an accident. But this is the gentleness. So when I picture the image of gentleness, I see something like holding back its power to be gentle. 
And kind of this is what Jesus has done for us when he even came to this world. Uh, in Philippians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the position of a humble servant and slave and was born as a human being. He had all the power in the world, and yet he laid it aside to gently come to us as a baby. And this is not what people wanted in the world. They wanted a king that would come in power and might. They wanted a king that would come and set the world correct. They didn't expect this humble baby to come to the world. And people want kings that have power. They want kings that have wealth and kings that lord it over people. This is what their image of kings are. Kings don't come humbly and be humble as a servant. They don't. And actually, it says in Matthew 21.5, when Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, it says, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is gentle, riding on a donkey. Through his whole life and his teachings, Jesus focused and taught and was gentle. Uh, and so I'm going to today have, I'm going to talk about three principles about what gentleness in Jesus means, and then give you three takeaways that if you forget everything I said this morning, for next year when we start again, remember the three things to take away. So my three principles. Uh, principle number one is that Jesus understands us. Hebrews 4, 14, and 16. Probably, I'll say this a lot. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. And I'll say that to a lot of things that I read. But Hebrews 4, 16, 14 and 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have been, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus lived a life on earth so that he could understand what it is to be us. I know we feel like, and I feel like this sometimes, where I don't know if he understands. what He's not been through what I have been through. No one has been through what I have been through. Jesus understands who you are this morning. He, he, he sympathizes with you. He was tempted as we are tempted. So he knows us. So that's my principle number one. He understands us. Principle number two, Jesus gently accepts those who go to him. Um, in John, uh, we see that there was a crowd gathering around Jesus as he was teaching. And when he was teaching, he, he was there. And then it says, as he was speaking, the teachers and religious laws of the Pharisees, sorry, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and said to Jesus, teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said we should stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they used against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingers. They kept demanding answers, so he stood up finally. And he said, okay, but let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and started to write in the sand. When the accusers heard this, they kind of slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. And then there was no one left. 
So then Jesus, Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where did your accusers go? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, she said, Lord. Then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. The teachers and religious law, teachers of the law and the Pharisees who brought this woman, they did not want that. They wanted Jesus to condemn her. They wanted to stone this woman. They wanted a punishment for what her sins were. But Jesus said, didn't even one of them condemn you? He said, no, and neither do I. And this is what we read about the character of our Jesus. This is the actions, this is the fruit of his spirit lived out on earth. Uh, just after the famous John 3.16, and I will say it. So John 3.16, I read it last week when I was leading worship. Uh, I didn't have my glasses on. I've been fighting the need to wear glasses. And last week I picked it up on my phone and I have no idea what it said. I had a different translation than I was used to. So I made up John 3.16 last week. And it sounded terrible. But John 3.16 led us to, and right after John 3.16 is John 3.17. Uh, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son, Jesus, into this world to condemn the world, but to save it through him. So even when the world wants condemnation or punishment, that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And then my principle number three. Jesus gently accepts us when we go to him. This sounds like the second one because sometimes we believe for other people. We get it. Someone who needs the Christ, needs to go to him, we get it. For, for us believers, Jesus accepts us every time, again and again and again, as the song we just sang says. And then this is one of my favorite stories that Jesus tells. It's found in Luke 15. Uh, this is a prodigal son. And the son essentially tells his dad, he's like, Father, I wish you were dead. I have an inheritance coming to me, and I want to take it now. I want to act and live like you're not alive anymore. So give me what's owed to me when you die, and I'm going to live a happy person, be a happy man. So it says that the father did this. In Luke 15, chapter, uh, verse 13, it says, Not long after that, the young son got all that he had together and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to citizens of the country who uh, sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went back to his father. So he had this whole scenario played in his mind. He was going to go beg to his dad to let him back as a servant. And in Luke 20, 15, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son was, didn't know what to do, so he started to go into his speech. He said, uh, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy of being called your son. His father pushed all that aside. He said, Quick, everyone, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Bring the fattened cow and kill it. 
Let us have a party and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost, but he is now found. The son wanted or was expecting punishment when he got home. He went to his father thinking, okay, maybe I could just beg for forgiveness to be a servant. He thought he wasn't even worthy to be called a son anymore. But his father stopped him in the middle of his whole speech and said, bring him a robe and let's celebrate because my son has been found. Isn't that a great picture of gentleness that Jesus gives? In fact, even the older son who was there was angry with this. He wanted punishment for his brother. He didn't want his brother to have a party. He wanted his father to be mad. Mad. He didn't want his father to be angry, to be upset. So Jesus lived an act. He spoke. He talked about these great images of gentleness. He understands us, you, and he understands me. He desires for people to come to him no matter, uh, as a matter of fact, this is his character. This is who he is. If you blew it the first time or you blew it seven times, this is our father who wants us to come to him. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 and 29 Come to me, and actually Dana read this verse earlier this morning. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. Come if this is your first time to Jesus, like the woman who is going to be stoned. Come to him. Come if this is your 15th time today, where you think, no, I've blew it too many times. I can't. You need to come to him. And actually, at this point, I'm going to call Dana and Tima. Thank you both. Thank you. Um, and just to give you three takeaways from my message this morning, because we will need to get to a point. What's my point? Uh, and these kind of sum it up. Point number one, Jesus will not reject anyone who comes to him. John 3, sorry, John 6, 37. To those the Father has given to me, when they come to me, I will not reject them. Point number two. So point number one, Jesus will not reject anyone. Point number two, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's in Hebrews 13.8. And so when we read the scripture, sometimes we think, okay, I get it then. He was kind to the woman that was going to be stoned then. He talked us about the story of of the son of the father. But this is who Jesus is today and forever will be this Jesus that desires us to come to him, not to condemn us, but to love us, to be gentle with us. And point number three, when we come to Jesus, we become like Jesus. And that's where we get back to our fruits of the spirit. Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruits within our lives. This is the work of the Spirit within us. This is the work that when we spend time with Jesus, we will reflect him. If, if you want more love, joy, peace, patience, if you want more kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, you go to Jesus. That's what he's done. He's done this. We're going to actually sing, Jesus Messiah, who became our righteousness. He has become our goodness. He's become our gentleness. 
If you feel like I struggle with gentleness or anger or we go to Jesus and we reflect him, that's what the fruits of the Spirit are. They're Jesus working through his Spirit through us. So that's what Jesus calls us to today. We're actually going to have the communion later on. And this is great. I love communion for the time because it, it quiets us down. It makes us reflect and focus on what Jesus has done for us. And even when I look at the fruits of the Spirit, the things that we are supposed to act like or how we're identified as, sometimes it becomes a list of things that we're just not doing. I know that I'm not gentle enough. And yet, Jesus has come to live a life to show us how we can be that. And we are that way by going to him. Go to Jesus. So when we take the bread and the wine, juice, we go to a Jesus who is accepting who is embracing whoever comes to him. So go to him right now. Go to him today. Be embraced by him. Why don't we sing together?